gauge. And I think as I've got older, I have self-diagnosed myself with ADHD. Okay? Not official, but I've come to realize that concentration for me is something I need to be doing something and fiddling. So at school, I found it a real challenge to stay concentrated. But one subject I really loved was history. I loved learning information about things from the past. Different world events, different lifetimes, different people. It was something that I absolutely loved to do. And while I was doing my A-levels, we got to study about kind of the, the uprising of Nazi Germany. Now, obviously, we are all aware that was a terrible time in world history. But for me, I was fascinated to understand why and how the things happened the way they did. Now, one of the things about Nazi Germany we were all aware of that was truly terrible was Auschwitz concentration camp. We've all heard of it, and we're all aware of the, the, the travesty that happened to all the Jewish people that ended up being sent there. Now, as the Jewish people would have arrived to the concentration camp, they would have walked underneath the sign. It's going to come up on the screen now, hopefully, maybe. Thanks, Russell. It's going to come up on the screen now. And as they walked in, there was a sign that they would have seen, which trans it says, I've got it here if it doesn't come up on the screen, Arbeit macht frei. Sorry for my terrible German pronunciation. I have no idea how you would say that. But it stands for worked sets you free. There it is on the screen. So every time people were brought into the camp, they would have seen this sign, which translated is works set you free. Now we know with hindsight that is absolutely a lie. Unfortunately, the many people that were sent to this camp worked until death. They would have been weighed down every day by the burden, because they would have looked up, they would have seen that sign every day, by the burden of that reality. That they are working not for freedom, but ultimately to their death. And I was struck by that saying because I think if we're completely honest with ourselves, many of us live Arbeit Max Fry in our relationship with God. How much work I'm doing is how I get in what right relationship with God. Look how much time I give to serve at my local church. I'm on four teams. Look how often I open up my home to people to come in and to share food. Look how much money I give regularly to my church and to other things. And hear me, these are not bad things. I'm not saying these are bad things. But if that is what we look to to be set free, we've got it wrong. Work does not set us free. And over the last few weeks, we have been in a study of Galatians. And it has been incredible to hear from people sharing uh, God's word as Paul has been speaking to the, the church in Galatia. And he's been reminding the churches, Paul, that they need to be aware of false teachings. You see, false teachers have been coming in and they've been saying, Jesus, that's a great start. 
but we just need that little bit extra. Jesus plus something else. But Paul is saying if we try to get right by the rules, we end up being enslaved to them. We end up being burdened by them. So we're going to be reading today from Galatians chapter 5, and we're just going to start by reading verse 1. It's going to come up on the screen. And it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now, Galatia, historically, was a Gentile area. And they would have worshipped many gods. And as part of their worship, they would have needed to have done a lot of different things to be right with that god. Doing good works, hard works, whatever it might be. So they were known, they were aware, sorry, that they needed to do good things in order to be right. That was kind of ingrained into them. But Paul is saying that's not the case anymore. That's not the reality because of Christ. You do not need to be weighed down by the yoke of slavery. You don't have to live that way because there is a new way to live. Now, when we read that and it says yoke, honestly, the first time I read that in the Bible, I thought it was talking about eggs. Really, that is serious. I was like, what has eggs got to do with anything? And then I've researched it and I found out what a yoke is. So an image is going to come up on the screen of a yoke, hopefully. I might start describing it. There it is. Okay, so a yoke was a farming tool. And essentially what it did is it would weigh down the oxen as they would go and they would carry the weight of whatever it is the farmer was doing. That is kind of what a yoke was. So when Paul is talking about the yoke of slavery, he's saying it is a heavy thing that pushes us down. Imagine that we were saying that the Jewish people, the weight of that slavery pushed them down to the point of despair and hopelessness. And Paul is saying that is not the way we are called to live anymore. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus actually says in Matthew, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ does not come to put rules upon us and do all these little tick boxes so that we can be right with God. It is the complete opposite. And that is where Paul is starting with us this morning. And I want you to have that in your mind as we continue. If you hear nothing else from me today, it is you are free as a follower of Jesus. There is nothing else you need, just him. There's a phrase that is in, if you just can go back to the slide with the, the passage on for me. There's a phrase in there. It says, for freedom that Christ has set us free, stand firm. And I would love to just kind of use that as a stepping stone for us as we continue this morning. So we're going to carry on. We're going to read Mark. I turn Mark. Mark's just sat there. It says Mark right at the very beginning. That's why. Galatians 5, starting at chapter two, uh, verse 2. It says, Mark my words. That's why I said Mark. 
It starts right there. I was like, Mark, what? Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So we are to stand firm. And to start with, we are to stand firm and live by faith. It starts off there in verse 2. It says, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Now, again, reading that, you're thinking, circumcision, what on earth has that got to do with me? What's the purpose of what Paul is saying here? Well, as part of the old covenant, as a male, if you belong to God, if you were a Jewish male, you would be circumcised. It was part of the law. And that circumcision essentially set you apart from the Gentiles. That is the purpose and the reason for circumcision. Okay? But Paul is saying now, that's no longer the case. That's the old covenant. We are now living in the new covenant. And therefore, we are not bound by the laws of the land. However, what had been happening is these false teachers that I mentioned earlier... They'd been coming in and they'd been saying that you needed to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, they were in Antioch and some Jewish believers came and they literally say, unless you are circumcised as taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That was their belief. That was bound by the law. But Paul is saying we are no longer bound by the law. The law is worthless. It's of no value. Paul is saying that if you desire to be circumcised, you're essentially saying, I need a little extra. Jesus plus circumcision, and I'm good. For us, Jesus plus attending church every Sunday, I'm good. Jesus plus, I give my 10%. I'm good. Jesus plus, I tell someone else about Jesus. I'm good. And we start adding all these rules and these laws to make sure that we are in right standing with God. But that is not what Paul is saying here. And for me, if I'm being completely honest with you, I really struggle to grab this concept. I was not born into church. I gave my life to Jesus just over eight years ago. So for me, I haven't necessarily been exposed to or kind of experienced the church upbringing where we are often, here we see and we are exposed to different traditions, different denominations, different cultures that often come with different rules and laws that we are to follow in order for us to be right. So when I read through this, I was like, yeah, makes sense, duh. But I recognize that my story isn't your story. 
And that for a number of us in the room, church has been your life. And you have grown up attending church since the day you can remember. And as a result of that, you have heard and seen various different rules and laws that you are to follow in order to be in right standing with God. But that is not the truth of the gospel. And essentially, if we want to be bound by the rules and by the laws, read what it says in verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. I researched this because I had no idea. That's 613. So Paul is saying, if you want to follow one, you've got to follow them all. And I don't know about you, I can maybe do two. So that's another 611 to go. It's impossible. We are never going to be able to do that. And Paul is saying, you don't have to. In verse 4 it says, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ and you have fallen away from grace. Essentially, if we are choosing laws and rules, we're essentially saying to Jesus, I don't need you. I'll do it myself. And the reality is we do that more often than we think. We say, Jesus, thanks for what you've done, but I'm just going to do this little extra bit and I'll be fine. If we choose to follow the laws and the rules, whether they are from Scripture in the Old Covenant or ones that we have imposed upon ourselves because of tradition and all these things, we are essentially saying, Jesus, thanks, but no thanks. Because the law and Christ are not two different paths that end up at the same destination. They're like oil and water. They don't mix. But the reality is, living in a place like London, we often hear that kind of language. All paths lead to God. Whether that's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. All paths lead to God, right? But the Bible is so clear when it says, no, there is one way. And that is through Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again three days later. But the world we live in is saying to us like this. Many of you will know I work for a charity called Young Life and the whole kind of mission that we have is to meet teenagers, build relationships with them and tell them about Jesus. And one of the things that is incredible about doing it in a place like Stratford or in London is that when you talk to young people about God, they're very open. Because for a number of them, they have been exposed to it either through upbringing or just living in a place where there's so many cultures colliding, they are aware of God. But the vast majority of my conversations end up being very much like this. Oh yeah, I believe in God, so I'm going to heaven. Or I believe in God, dot, dot, dot. But it's, it's not just I believe in God and I go to heaven. It's not, I follow rules and I go to heaven. It is, as Paul says in here, 
faith. I said, stand firm and live by faith. Verse 5, it says, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters, or counts rather, is faith expressing itself through love. So simple. And we complicate it so much. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I was chatting with Mark this week as we were kind of getting prepared for the preach and he shared with me the title of a book that I thought sounded absolutely fascinating. And it is simply this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That is the gospel. That is our faith. It is a belief that Jesus lived, that he died for our sins, taking our place, taking our punishment, and rose again three days later. Simple as that. There is nothing extra that we need to add. No rules, no laws, no shoulds, no has tos. It is faith in Christ. We have been set free so we can stand firm and just live in our faith. And as we live in our faith, as it says here, we love those around us. And I think even just having Ursula and Jenny up here on stage is proof of that. Their faith has been expressed in love. And in this room right now, there are many that have been touched as a result of that and are making decisions to follow Jesus. One plus one does equal two. We don't need to overcomplicate it. So we're to stand firm and we're to live by faith. And secondly, we are to stand firm and reject what is false. Read with me verses 7 through to 11. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Paul is current is encouraging the people who would have been hearing this letter, not to compromise by listening to false teaching. And he gives three kind of examples of what that might look like. It starts with kind of like an athletic term. It says, you were running a good race. You were going the right direction. You had a good pace. Who have you let cut in? Start whispering little lies. Are you sure Jesus is enough? Surely it's just this little extra thing. How many people have you told about Jesus today? These little things that people kind of cut in and start whispering lies. It's like a courtroom, verse 8. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. I can imagine in a courtroom, it's lawyers trying to persuade 
the fact that their person is guilty or not guilty or whatever it might be. And it's the same with these false teachers. They're coming and they're using really clever words. They're sounding all fancy. And for me, I know that's something I can be intimidated. If I'm having a conversation with someone and they sound smart, I tend to believe them. Because if they, they, if they can say things in a certain way, I'm like, I can't articulate it like you have, so surely that must be true. But we need to be wary of that. We need to reject that. Because that is not from God. It literally says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. So we need to be on guard and wary of people saying things to try and persuade us. And lastly, baking. In ver- kind of verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough just a small amount it only takes one seed and if we're not careful and we don't reject that that will grow and grow until eventually everything has been impacted paul is calling to attention that we must be on guard we must be wary but paul has confidence and why does he have confidence is it in himself because he's eloquent and he can sound really nice when he stands at the front and speaks? Is it because of the life that he's lived, because he's done all these crazy things and he's come through the other side? No, it's none of that. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. And it's my conviction that if you're in this room and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, that same conviction is in you. I truly believe that if you would say you follow Jesus and you desire to live for him, that we are able to see what is of him and what is not. And when we are faced with that choice, we have to make a decision. Am I going to reject the thing that is not from him or am I going to reject what God is saying? And sometimes they can be really hard things. But Paul is saying we must reject those things that are not from God. And that is a challenge to each of us. And why do we need to reject them? It says in the next verse, brother, uh, sorry, the one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he will be. There is a consequence for teaching and preaching things that are not from God. And even sometimes when it looks like people are getting away with it, like, how can they be doing that? That's not right. That's not good. Have confidence to know that there will be consequences for that. And I have a question for us. Are there things that you are putting on yourself or on other people that are not from God? Maybe based upon church background. Maybe based upon culture, maybe based upon, based upon teachings that you have received in the past. Ask yourself, am I le- believing these things for myself and or impacting other people with those things? Because Paul is very clear when he says there are consequences. Consequences for that. So we're to stand firm and we're to reject. But we also have a responsibility to preach truth. Verse 11. Brothers, if I am still preaching, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been 
abolished. He's saying, if I was preaching what the false preachers are preaching, why am I being persecuted for this? The reality is he's not preaching that. He's preaching the cross, the truth of the gospel. And guys, I forget this myself. The cross is offensive. It rubs people up the wrong way. In 1 Corinthians 1, 24, it says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. We should not forget that the cross is a horrible, hard thing for people to understand. But we have to be bold in proclaiming that truth because we believe it to be true. So we are to reject what is false, but not just to reject it and be like, cool, I'm good. We also have a responsibility to preach what is true. And that is that Christ was crucified on the cross. And that, the reason it's offensive is people don't want to admit they need saving. We live in a culture today where it's all about, look what I can do. I will get myself out of this mess. I, I, I. And that's hard. But the truth is, that is what Paul is saying. We do need a saviour. Over the last few years, I've had the opportunity to have many conversations with different people about the Christian faith. And there's a particular conversation that stands out, someone very close to me. And they called me up one day and they said, Tom, I've been exploring the Christian faith. Would love to ask you some questions. We were having this dialogue and it was going back and forward, back and forward. And then one day they call me up and they say, hey, Tom, I just read the Gospel of Luke. I said, that's amazing. What did you think? It was a load of fill in the blank. Rubbish. It offended him. But we have a responsibility to tell them the truth. To reject the false things and be bold in our proclamation of the truth that Christ died for our sins. That we needed him to do that. And then to finish it off, in verse 12, Paul says, As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now for gents in the room, I've seen a few of us kind of like close our legs. Paul is serious about this. He's not messing around. Essentially what he's saying is, if you're going to do that, go the whole way and just chop it off. That's how serious Paul is taking this. It's not just some, oh, if you fancy it, just do this. He's like, no, the truth is this. And if you believe in something else, you want to go and get circumcised? Cool. Why not go the whole way? Sometimes the Bible is very clear and very just blunt. And Paul's not saying that to be offensive or to seek revenge. He's saying that because he believes so deeply, he cares so much for the people that he is writing to because he believes that it is the gospel, the cross, that is Christ and nothing else. And that's the same for us today in this room. Nothing else. No add-ons, no extras, no little bits. It is the gospel.
I'd love to invite the band back up. And as they're getting set up, I just want to kind of conclude this message. I believe, honestly, this, this letter, this book, the whole way through, and I think we've heard it in every single message so far, it is just reminding us of the truth of the gospel. That salvation is a free gift. I believe we are to stand firm and to live by our faith. And that alone, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we're to stand firm and to reject what is false. Understanding that it is the truth of the gospel alone. No extras, no add-ons. Rejecting that and trusting God's word. But why? Because we've been set free. If we circle all the way back to verse 1, the starting point today, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And as I finish today, I have a question. What's still burdening you? What's weighing you down? Because the scripture tells us that we no longer need to be burdened by that. And when I say think about it, I don't mean now and just like, okay, cool, yeah, thanks, Tom. Seriously, consider that. Meditate on that this week. Ask God to show you. What is it that is burdening you, that is weighing you down? Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we don't need to be enslaved to anything else. We can live by faith and we can reject what is false. But we have a responsibility to meditate and to reflect and to seriously think, is it something that I need to let go? The band are going to sing a song, Christ is Enough. And I deeply, deeply believe that. Let the words wash over you. Sometimes I think I'm guilty of in worship just singing the song because it's a nice tune and Jonathan sounds really good. But actually, the words have truth. So listen to them and reflect on them. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. That there is nothing else that we need, no extra bits, just you. Help us to, Lord, live by faith. Our faith and trust in you.